0: It is so important for us as saved, born-again, Holy Spirit-filled, Jesus-following Christians to understand that we are called and commanded to walk in love according to God, light according to God, and wisdom according to God. Not according to ourselves, not our definition of love, not our definition of light and wisdom, not the world's idea, God's idea. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. I'm so excited for what God wants to share with us today. We're going to talk about our last two foundations that is part of our foundation series. Those of you who have been um, with us for a while now, you'll know that we started a foundation series a while ago and we talked about repentance, salvation, and we went into faith. And then we spoke about Lordship and obedience. Last week, we had an amazing time with our gathering and online uh, when we talked about baptism with water, baptism with Holy Spirit. And, um, and today we're gonna tackle our last two foundational values which is to um, talk about spiritual family or the local church and discipleship. And these two things really work together. So we're gonna tackle that together. The reason why we are using these foundations or teaching on these foundations is because we want everyone in our church to be on the same page. Because when we have these things in place, we understand them and we stand upon them then we are able to shape our identity the way God wants us to shape our identity. Our identity will impact the way we are a, a spouse to someone in our marriage. It'll impact the way we parent. It'll impact the way we deal with our community and, we, and how we live out our purpose. So that's the reason why we need to lay these foundations really strongly and solidly. Okay. Okay. So today we're going to talk about a message called Walk in Love, Light, and Wisdom. And it's going to encapsulate the values of spiritual family and discipleship. And I'm going to try to show you that. I asked God what we should do and how we should focus on this. And I really felt like he brought my attention to Ephesians 4, 5, and 12 as great scriptures that help us to understand what the whole point of spiritual family is. But before we get to those scriptures, I would like to... Um, let's just show them that other picture. So this is our picture for um, walking in love, light, and wisdom. All right? So um, I, I kind of wanted that picture to to show us that um, God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And like I said once uh, earlier on in, in our ministry, it's not a spotlight to our future. But it is a lamp unto our feet, and it is a light unto our path. And we need to remember that. And because part of what we need to do as the children of God is to not try and lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways to trust the Lord. Okay, so before I get to all the scriptures, I want to chat to you about a few things and just um, let, set it up once for once we get to the scriptures. All right. As I said, these two foundations, spiritual family and discipleship actually really go hand in hand. And another way to say it is local church. (laughs) And maybe we've heard that term so many times, we've actually lost the real meaning of it. And I'm hoping that through these scriptures and through this teaching, that for us as a local church, as Love Key, as an online ministry, we will get on the same page and understand what is the reason why we do this. So from the title, the three things that I'm mentioning in the title, Walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom comes from Ephesians 5. And we will look at it more closely, 4 and 5 and 12, to see how the local church should be functioning. But I want you to know right off from the start, the big thing we need to know is that the local church is Jesus' plan for this world. It's, it's the way that he set it up. We are called his bride We are called so many beautiful things and we have a purpose. We have a purpose to bring the kingdom of God to as many people as possible in all the nations. One of the prerequisites for Jesus's return is that every person on earth should have had an opportunity to hear the good news. And the main function of the local church is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus is the king. We've a few weeks ago we speak on how he's Lord, Christ, and King. He is Lord, Christ, and King. The Bible calls him the head of the body of the church. And in many ways, we'll see in the scriptures as well, it refers to the church as a body, the body of Christ. But Christ is the head. What's in the head? The brain. The brain runs everything. All right. So we need to know that he is the head. He is also called the groom. Of the church and the church is called the bride now if you understand how beautiful God made marriage how beautiful the intimacy between a man and a woman that are married is supposed to be then you can start to get an idea of the intimacy that God actually talks about when he talks about him Jesus's relationship with his church it is a beautifully intimate thing and The church is also called the servant, the body, the bride. Now, I want to show you a picture. Just have a look at this, please. And I want you to try and get an idea of what the church of Christ looks around the globe. Jesus is the head. He's the king. He's the groom. There's the global church that has been established And it started with just 12 disciples and the others that were with them. And today, there's a global church of Jesus Christ. So imagine that. Just imagine for a moment, every person that calls themselves a Christian, they are part of this global church. And then underneath or part of this global church, or let's rather say the global church is made up of hundreds, thousands, probably millions of local churches and each local church is made up of families and each family has in in when it is doing well and healthy has a has a marriage that's intact and children and this forms the nucleus of the local church all right now to get back to the pictures we get about this we we need to know that towards the end of Ephesians 5. We're not going to discuss the end of Ephesians 5. Later, we're going to talk about the early part of it. But when when Paul is discussing marriage, he says in his own words, I'm actually talking about Christ and the church, but you can learn from this as well for marriage. So he's actually talking about this beautiful mystery that has to do with the relationship between Jesus and the church. So because it's called a mystery that we need to know that there's always going to be something we can explore or learn or grow in in understanding our relationship as the bride of Christ with Christ. So we should never suppose that we can ever fully grasp and fully understand this mystery. And today I'm not going to try and give a full thing and say, this is all the facts. This is how it works. Boom, done. And now you all understand it Um, by no means, because it is a mystery. But what I am going to try and do is to show us from scripture what God wants his church to look like, and therefore his local church, and therefore our church. Okay, so I showed us now the picture of Jesus as the head of the global church, made up of hundreds, thousands, probably millions of small to big local churches, which are then made up of families. Each local church obviously has a bunch of individual people that come to the congregation, all right? So you've seen uh, whatever church you may have come from, grew up in, maybe you've visited some churches. If you've come to our church, you know there's people that come and sit and listen and learn and worship. And it's a bunch of individuals if you just look at them that way. And this is the reason for the church is people, people of God. Either people that don't know Him or that do know Him and are growing in Him or have gone a really long time with God and they just want to still mature, still grow. All these people are in the church, all these individuals. But each individual normally comes from some kind of family. They are either a part of a family or they come from a family. Now, I know it's not everyone's situation is that simple or that clear, but I'm talking in general. Families are the nucleus of society and each local church, each marriage is, sorry, the nucleus of society and the local church. And then each marriage is the cornerstone of each family. And each man is the head of each home and his wife, his helper. So I I want you to see this picture as well. Jesus, church, marriage, family, individuals. All right. Why am I saying that? Because I think it's important for us to understand the order of God's kingdom. Now, let's get to the point of the church, the point of a local life-giving church. You've heard me say this many times. Why does the local church exist? It should be the following. A life-giving church should get lost people saved. Amen. That's evangelism. It should get Saved people, now that they are saved and they become part of the local church, there is a process of sanctification, a process of healing that needs to take place. That falls under teaching and pastoral. Then we need to help those people that are healed from their past hurts, the past that they come from, the past that they were saved from. They need to now discover who they are in Christ and what their calling is. Here we have the prophetic and the apostolic And, of course, the pastoral playing a role. And then those people who now understand I am free in Jesus, I know who I am, and I know why I'm here. They need to be sent out into service in the church with their spiritual gift uh, or their natural gift or both, and also into their vocation. And this is where apostolic leadership especially plays a very powerful role along with the prophetic. The way that we say this that I just said at Love Key Church is that we, Love Key Church, is a local expression of a part of the body of Christ with a specific focus and calling in the broader church of Jesus. We have a mission to create a place, opportunity, and atmosphere where people can encounter God, align with His purposes, and reign in life and help others to do the same. Now, remember the first one, help lost people get saved, saved people healed, healed people discover their callings and step into those callings, all right? Now, if you encounter God and you are not saved and it's a real encounter, you should be in that moment and and, and realize I need God and become saved. If you have backslidden and you encounter God, you should come back to God. If you have been walking with him for a long time, you love him, you walk closely with him, and you have an encounter, you just go deeper. So, for all those phases that we go through, having an encounter is always the most important thing. Through his word, through worship, through prayer, through quiet time, we can encounter him. Amen? And then, if when we encounter him, then we should want to align with his purposes. Now, what does that mean? It means his will, his word, it means to be obedient. We now say that my old man is dead. I now want to align with God and his will, his will for for his church, his kingdom, and also his will for me as an individual. Why did he make me? Who am I? Why am I here? What is my message and to whom is my message? if I really want to know the answers to those questions, I need to ask God and I need to be a part of a local church through leadership where God can speak to me because God works through people. And when we start aligning ourselves with God's purposes and his purposes for us, we get to that point where Paul speaks of in Romans when he says we can reign in life. We can be We can be on a a level where we are such strong, mature Christians that wherever we go, we change the atmosphere for the kingdom of God. And that is, I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. But that's not all of it. The last big one is to help others to do the same. Help others to encounter God. Help others to align with His purposes. Help others to reign in life. And that's where discipleship comes in in the local church. Can you start seeing a picture here? I want to, I actually wanted to point this out a few weeks ago, but I forgot, but I wanted to show it to you today. Listen to our values, encounter, align, reign. It spells ear. And if we add the help at the end, it's an H, and we put it in the beginning, it says, here, we are We are a church that wants to hear from God, always have our ears open to what God wants to do and help people to walk in the same way. All right. That's just a little side note I wanted to throw in there. (laughs) The local church, and in our case, Love Key Church, is your spiritual family when you commit to be a member and to get involved in serving the local church. All right. So just attending a Sunday service doesn't make you a part of a local church. It makes you someone who comes to see, watch, listen, whatever. But when you make a decision and say, this is, I have prayerfully considered where God wants to place me. I believe this is the local church where God wants me. Then you make a commitment and you step up and say, hey, I'm putting up my hand. I want to help. I want to be part of what God is doing. That is then a uh, it starts a process of becoming a member. And one of the reasons we've been laying foundations is so that all the people that have committed to be part of our family can know what we stand on and where we are going and why we are here. When you are part of the spiritual family, an important dimension of the connection to the spiritual family is discipleship. You're, now, this is I'm gonna first sketch the ideal and I'm gonna sketch what most people experience <laughs> So ideally, our spiritual family should start with our natural family. Amen? And and I believe God's plan for for people was that your natural family where you start out would be also the start of your spiritual family. It should originate from your natural family who is part of a life-giving local church, in other words, a spiritual family. Part of this ideal is that the husband and father understands and fulfill, fulfills his role as king, priest, and prophet of the home by loving and leading well his wife and kids. And he is therefore the first stop and the main influence in his wife and children's lives. He is the main discipler. I believe that is God's plan for families, and for people. That our home, where we are, where we grow up in, is the first point of contact with God, with the church, with spiritual family. Alongside the husband and father, the local church leaders, uh, his peers, and the younger leaders will all in some way also lead, impact, and influence his wife and his children. But his role remains central as it is by God's design. If you've ever heard of a mission called The World Needs a Father, you will also hear these kinds of values come out, that the role of men, the role of fathers, is to bring heaven home. We are supposed to set the tone, the spiritual tone in our homes. But, or let's use a fancy word for but, however, (laughs) we know that for many people, this ideal that I just described is unfortunately not the reality. Extreme examples can include a totally unsafe home environment and for many reasons. Uh, it can be from physical or emotional abuse or a form of neglect or whatever it may be. It could also be that the family does go. So there's one extreme where there's total neglect, it's like you know, socially, it, it's a really bad situation. And then there's the other situation where you grow up in a home that, you know, the the family goes to church, but it's not a life-giving church. It's, with respect, more like a life-sucking church, (laughs) which happens in many situations, unfortunately, that no one in the house wants to go to. But they are forced to go out of some religious tradition rather than a place of salvation, healthy conviction, and relationships with the people in the church. So it's more of a tradition, it's more of a going through the motions kind of thing. Or it could be that you come from a fairly balanced situation, but you know there must be more, and that can happen in a life-giving local church. All right. So depending on your situation, finding a life-giving local church and healthy spiritual family can look very different for different people from different backgrounds and experiences. A little bit of my story. I grew up in a, in South Africa, we have this fairly typical background where a lot of Afrikaans white people come from. Uh, we grow, grow up in the Dutch Reformed Church, uh, there's other traditional churches that are similar to them, and we have our Afrikaans culture very much mixed into our church culture, and that's the culture that I grew up in. Now. With respect to my parents, I always want to say that I'm grateful that I grew up in a safe home with loving parents who love God and who taught me about Jesus and the stories in the Bible. That is invaluable, and I want to honor my parents for that. But there are certain things that were not taught, not we were not led in. And what happened with me was I was convinced I'm a Christian because I go to church, I go to Sunday school, I read the Bible, and my parents told me I'm a Christian. But when I was 16 years old, I was at a camp and during worship, it's a very long story. I'm just giving you the highlights today because I have shared this before. But during worship, I had an encounter with the living God that completely (laughs) wrecked me and changed my life forever. And I realized that I knew some facts about this Jesus, but I didn't know him personally. And that day... All of that changed, thank God. But coming out of that experience, that life-changing experience, still being in a church environment where that is seen as a little weird and different and they don't really know what to do with you, I was frustrated. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know where to go. I, I just had this hunger inside of me and it took a very long time for me uh, trying t- I went to different kind of conferences. Uh, that's, uh, towards my matric year, we had these Love Southern Africa conferences, which were amazing. But it's, it's an event, and then it's over. It's not a local church. Um, and, and I was looking for a place. I, I wouldn't probably even have been able to tell you that in so many words, but I knew that I needed a place where I could grow spiritually, where I could be discipled. But I'd, I wouldn't even have known to tell you that at the time. Only in 2002, uh, after I had done Idols, a pastor came over my path. He phoned me up. He's actually a pastor that prophesied over my life, the first time anyone ever prophesied over my life. And it was one of the reasons I actually entered the competition. But anyway, he phoned me and said, Listen, can we have uh, a coffee? Can we chat about um, the, the, the things that are going on in your life and what God wants for you? And, um, and he said, that he wants to disciple me. And I didn't know what that meant. (laughs) But as he started walking with me and I started embracing this idea of spiritual family and being discipled, it completely changed my life. And that is why this is so important. That is why spiritual family, discipleship, being part of a life-giving church is so important. It's where lives really get impacted. It's where lives really start to change because we can live from event to event or moment to moment or we can not focus on that as a main thing but focus on the main thing of continually growing through relationship in God. All right, so the next point I want to make is that Within the life giving environment of a healthy spiritual family, there should be a discipleship culture. Discipleship should function according to Jesus' example and the example said by Paul with Timothy. Now, in Timothy 2, verse 2, it says that, And the things that you heard from me among many witnesses, commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. All right, so what do, we, what do we see from this? We see that there is Paul teaching, discipling Timothy. He says to Timothy, you must commit the things that I teach you to faithful men and they should then commit that to others. We have four levels of discipleship, four generations, if you will. Now, Jesus sent his disciples into the, word, into the world. We read this again last week, the Great Commission. He said to them, go into all the world, to all the nations, and um, make disciples of them, and, and baptize them, and teach them what I taught you. That is what discipleship is. And all of this happens through the context of a local church. We see what happened in Acts. After the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they would preach And then communities would form little home churches, and they would then go out and reach more people and create more home churches. And this is how the Church of Christ started out. Okay, so that was kind of a setup, uh, just putting the things in perspective for us. Now we're going to look at Ephesians 5 and Romans 12, and we're going to look at why a local spiritual family. Should be a place that is known by how they walk in love, light, and wisdom, and how the main thing we should see in a life-giving church is constant transformation of people, who then help others to transform as well. Okay, are you ready? Let's do this. All right. Before I get into the scriptures, I, I'm gonna. I want you to to hear these values or characteristics of a local church, and then try to um, connect them with the scriptures as we read them. So I was thinking, praying about what are the things that we should be known by or that should be part of who we are as a local church. Number one, love God, love people. That is the greatest commandment according to Jesus. To love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love people as we love ourselves. That should be the foundation. Love, love loving God's way. Loving God and loving people God's way. If you go back a couple of weeks, you'll hear the sermon about love and how God defines love. It's not the way the world defines love. It is sacrificially serving and laying down your life. That is the kind of love we talk about. Second thing we should always be doing is always evangelizing. Always telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ and inviting them into the kingdom of God. We should always be teaching the word of God, rightfully dividing the word of truth to people. We should always be pastoring the flock, the people, counseling, helping, guiding. We should be training up leaders who can train up more leaders. That is what discipleship is. Um, number six, we should pursue, establish, and maintain unity. That's one of the reasons that the song I sang today at the end is It's Time, a song that God laid on my heart about three years ago, a call for unity in the body of Christ. This is very important value, and it's biblical. And number seven, reach and impact our local community. First priority being our members, and our second priority being those that are outside of the church but in desperate need of help. We need to focus on both. All right, so those are the seven things. Love God, love people, always evangelize, always teach the word of God, pastor the flock, train up leaders, pursue and establish and maintain unity, reach and impact the local community. All right, and how should this happen? How do these seven things happen? It should happen through Sunday services, connect groups and general fellowship with our fellow churchgoers, and one-on-one discipleship. This is where these things should take place. All right, so now, finally, I get to the scriptures. We're gonna jump into Ephesians 4, from verse one to seven. Hope everyone's still doing well. Uh, I see the comments, thank you for those. I will see if I can get time at the end to, to read some of them. All right, so here we have Paul talking to the church in Ephesus and he's saying to them, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. That's a strong word. You'll see the same word in Romans 12. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Please note that word walk. It's from our title and you'll also see it um, in Ephesians 5. All right. "...with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love." Bearing with one another in love. "...endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace." "...there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all And through all, and in you all, God is in you all. And verse seven says, "But to each of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift." I added that verse in there because it is—it shows us that each member of the local church has something to offer, has a role to play in the kingdom of God. All right. Then we're going to pick it up in verse eleven. Now, this talks about the, what you've maybe heard before people talk about the fivefold ministry. I've referred to them earlier in explaining how, what a life-giving church should be doing. So see if you can pick up on this. Verse 11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For what? Why do we have these five titles? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Who are the saints? All of you guys. All of the people in church are the saints. Who are being equipped for what? The work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all, so this process of the fivefold training, equipping the saints for the work of ministry and edifying the church, this thing should happen till, until, so it's a process, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life. That's what this is saying, that we should no longer be children, tossed and tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So why do we need the firefold ministry, the training of the saints, and a process where this keeps happening is so that we do not get thrown around, that we don't stay immature as children, but that we can be strong. But speaking, so this is how we should be, speaking the truth in love, walk in love, may grow up in all things who is uh, into him who is the head, the head of the body of Christ, Christ, from whom the whole body, the church, is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Every joint has a role. Every person has a important role to play. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. You have a share, I have a share, everyone has a share in the body of Christ. It causes what? Growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. If we are not all doing what we're supposed to be doing, the growth can't be what it's supposed to be. All right, I hope you can see that. Now we're going to go to Ephesians 5. Verse 1 to 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Now, this is where our title comes from. It's from Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So, walk in love. As Christ has loved and given himself for us, it is telling us what love is. Again, scrap the idea you have of love given to us by the world and embrace this biblical form of love. It's sacrificial. It is serving. It says he's an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. How powerful is that? Then we're going to pick it up in Ephesians uh, 5 verse 8. It says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. So we had walk in love. Now he's saying walk in light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Fruit of the Spirit. uh, You can see the whole list of the fruit in uh, Galatians 5 verse 22. Love, joy, peace, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. This is what he's talking about. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. We are actually instructed to find out what God wants. And have no fellowship. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful. at fruit of the Spirit. Now we have the unfruitful works of darkness. Making it very clear. There's two options. You either pursuing the fruit of God, the spirit of God, or you pursuing the unfruitful works of darkness. We should rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. There's a, Old Testament prophecy that Christ will bring the light. See then that you walk, this is now the third one, wisdom from verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I think we can all agree the days are still evil, probably worse. Therefore do not be unwise. Says be wise, do not be unwise but understand the, will of the Understand what the will of the Lord is. So what is wisdom? Understanding the will of the Lord. And what is this saying? It's possible. How many times have you felt, I don't know what God wants. I don't know what his will is. No, no, no. And people talk about this and they get negative. This scripture tells us it's possible. He's actually commanding them. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of God is. In other words, it is possible to understand the will of God. And do not be drunk with wine. This was actually our worship scripture last week. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be baptized with the Spirit of God. And then speak to one another in church, in community. We speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. This is what community, church life should look like. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning I, had, I started getting a weird ache in my body and, and I, I had this weird vision thing that was starting to happen. And, and I started thanking God and praising God for this discomfort and this weird thing happening in my mind. And I had my wife pray with me. And just before I started the service, the, the vision thing went away and this is already feeling better. There's power in praise. There's power in thankfulness. Why? Because we are being obedient to the word of God. Thank always for all things. Not thank sometimes for some things when it's convenient and you feel thankful. Thank always for all things. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting, listen to this, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, straight after this, we get the very famous piece where it talks about marriage. But do you see in this last verse, verse 21, it talks about submitting to one another. Just after this, it says, wives, submit to your husbands, to your own husband. But here it says, submit to one another. So even before we think about marriage, we must know that in the local church, in our spiritual family, we need to have an attitude of submitting to one another how do you submit to someone else you humble yourself you serve you give sacrificially that is what love really is and that is what we should see in our local church last big piece of scripture is from romans 12 from verse 1 i beseech you do you see the same wording as in ephesians 4 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A what now? A living sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? It's something that you burn on the altar. It is dead and then it burns and it's gone. It's a sacrifice. It goes away. It's given. He's talking about being a Living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, <laughs> listen to this, which is our reasonable service. What is reasonable? Reasonable means it makes sense, it follows, it should be the norm, it is expected. <laughs> so for us to present our bodies, As Christians to God as a living sacrifice that is holy. You'll remember my teaching on holy shift that holiness is possible through God and with walking with the Holy Spirit. We are living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And it this doing this, making yourself a living sacrifice, is your reasonable service. Okay? And do not be conformed to this world. Guys, we are living in times where I think the church and God's word and the values that we believe in are going to come more and more under attack. We cannot allow the values of this world to influence our values, to become our values. We have to stand on the word of God and we have to trust the word of God that that is the truth. And we cannot sway from that. Because the world will come with all kinds of arguments and reasonings and whatever. The wisdom of man, philosophies, we sang that in that song. Those things cannot build our lives, only the word of God. So do not be conformed to the word of God, to the world. Do not be conformed to the world, sorry. But, so do not be conformed. Don't align yourself with the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Changing the way you think. Do you remember the teaching on repentance? What is repenting? Changing the way you think. You were thinking and doing one way. You turn away from that, turn to God and do things His way. That is what repentance is. Why should we do this? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Once again, we see the will of God playing a role here. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. This is not saying that you not, should not think anything of yourself. It says you should not think more of yourself than you ought to. God has told us how precious we are to him, each and every one of us. But we cannot allow pride to come into the way, to come into our hearts, and cause division or issues with our local church people. This is why he's saying that. Do not think more highly of yourself. For as we have, once again, now we come back to the body of Christ. He's setting this all up. He's beseeching us to be living sacrifices, To not think of ourselves more than we ought to, because we have many members in one body. But all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are connected. We are one in Christ, Having then gifts according to the grace that is given to us, there's a grace from God for each person to receive certain gifts. Let us use them. <laughs> you have gifts given to you by the grace of God, use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches is teaching, he who exhorts is exo- in exhortation, he who gives. With liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Remember the first thing I said about the seven? We must love God, love people. This love should be without hypocrisy. It should not be double minded, it should have integrity, it should be solid abhor what is evil that is a very strong word to say we need to hate sin we need to hate those things that are not of God because we need to almost declare war on it we need to abhor evil and cling to what is good do you see the strong language here that Paul has given the church we need to be kindly affectionate kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another do not think more of yourself than you should give preference to one another be kindly affectionate to one another imagine if every local christian church in the world was living this out fully people would be flocking to church not lacking in diligence fervent in spirit serving the lord rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation continuing steadfastly in prayer continually, steadfastly in prayer. Prayer is so powerful. See that one before, patient in tribulation. The whole world is in tribulation. And then on top of that, each and every one of us is facing some kind of trial, some kind of tribulation. We need to be patient. We need to rejoice in hope. We need to distribute to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, hospitality. We need to help those in our church that need help. We need to have a heart of giving, a generous heart. It's very important for the running of the local church. We need to bless those who persecute us. Bless them and do not curse them. (laughs) This is very hard for a lot of people. And a lot of people who say they are Christians, when they read the news or read articles about certain people in our country... There's not a lot of love coming out of their mouth but cursing. And we need to watch this. We need to be those that are different who do not um, want to harm or curse but to bless rather. We need to rejoice with those who rejoice. When someone else has had a victory or is celebrating something in their lives, we need to rejoice with them. And if they are sad and going through something tough, those who are weeping, we need to weep with them. Be of the same mind towards one another be of the same mind towards one another do not set your mind on high things but associate with the humble do not be wise in your own opinion we need to walk in the wisdom of God so I hope from these you've seen now we need to walk in love walk in light and walk in wisdom amen So what kind of word is walk? We've been taught now by Paul, we need to walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. What kind of word is walk? In this context, it is a verb. It's a doing word. If we are told to walk in something, it requires action. It is something that should be seen on our lives. There should be fruit. Amen? You know the saying, walk the talk. What do we? When you say to someone, hey, walk the talk, it means that it's nice what you are saying, but I first want to see that what you are saying is also what you are doing. What is that? Integrity. I want to see some integrity in your life. I want to see a connection between what you are saying and what you are doing. When we say to someone, walk the talk, we are saying to them, hey, do what you say, then I will believe you. And this is also true for the call on us and our lives. So in Ephesians 5, Paul is calling the church to walk, to function, to move in, or to, to be known by love, light, and wisdom. Now I know at first glance of this title, it, it, it may look a little new agey or secular humanistic or whatever you want to call it, because we've all heard those people say, you know, I'm sending you light and love. Uh, those kind When they are in the world and they don't understand these things, they just want to send love and light to everybody, whatever that means. But in this context, we see that it is so important for us as saved, born again, Holy Spirit filled, Jesus following Christians to understand that we are called and commanded to walk in love according to God, light according to God and wisdom according to God not according to ourselves, not our definition of love, not our definition of light and wisdom, not the world's idea, God's idea. Why, why should we do this? Because let's look at the first value, walk in love. If we truly love God and love our neighbor, we would have an urgency to get lost people saved and save people healed and help them discover their callings and walk in their callings. We would have this urgency like, I can't believe that there are people out there that don't know Jesus. I love them so much. I don't want to see them get lost. I want to reach them. I want to talk to them about Jesus. I want to tell them the good news. I want to to share with them what God has done in my life. Look where I come from. That is love. Love is wanting to tell someone, I have the answer to everything that you are wondering about and questioning in your life. We We should Passionately pursue spreading the good news and helping people encounter God so they can align with His purposes and reign in life. That is what true love looks like. True love, God's way, also means that we sacrificially lay down our lives to serve, that we are humble, that we pursue unity in our church despite our own feelings and opinions. Despite our own feelings of discomfort and inconvenience, we need to love well God's way. It means that we, and we've seen now, we've all been given gifts by God's grace, and we need to use them. But I know it takes sacrifice to do that. It takes sacrifice to say, I'm going to offer to serve. I'm going to commit to this church and offer to serve. It is inconvenient. It is uncomfortable. But if we read these scriptures and we call ourselves Christians, we need to obey these scriptures and say, Lord, where do you send me? How do you want me to apply my gift to this local church and then be obedient? Amen. When we walk in light, the call to walk in light is a call not to entertain sin. Light is holiness. Darkness is sin. We need to recognize darkness for what it is, and we need to expose it in our own lives and also humbly help those that are being discipled by us or walking with us to also, when we see darkness in someone's lives that they are missing. Some of us are, one of the reasons discipleship is so important is because we often have blind spots in our lives, and we need friends to come into our lives that know us, that have walked with us, that we trust to say to us, hey, have you seen this? Have you noticed this behavior? Have you The way that you just spoke to your wife, the way that you handled your children now, bro, I love you. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm seeing this and I need to just reflect it back to you and show, shine some light on this. Do you know what's going on here? And, we, and in relationship through love, we start journeying through these things. The thing about light links with love in the way that if you love someone and you see sin in their lives or darkness pulling them in a direction, you will reach out and bring the light of Jesus into that person's life. If we really love one another, we won't just let people live in sin. We won't. But you also, when you are loving and walking in light, you don't communicate that someone is sinning in a judgmental way. Giving truth without love is not love. But coming to someone in love, communicating truth because you really love them, it comes across completely different. It is not shouting turn or burn to people. It is saying God loves you so much. You don't have to live the way you are living. Let me show you what the light looks like. Let me show you what love really looks like. And it's the whole thing about light is confirmed uh, by 1 John 1 verse 7. We should walk in the light as Jesus is in the light and have no fellowship with darkness. Walk in the light as Jesus is in the light and have no fellowship with darkness. And the third one, walk in wisdom. To walk in wisdom from these scriptures means to understand, know, and do the will of God. Understand, know, and do the will of God. And so if the scripture says we can, then we know it's possible and it's something we need to pursue earnestly. It is confirmed in James 1. It says, if we desire wisdom, we should ask for wisdom, but ask without doubting. Because he who doubts should not expect to receive anything from God. What is that? Asking in faith. When we ask for wisdom, we need to ask for wisdom in faith. Wisdom helps us to walk in the way of God and to also give wise counsel, teach and preach the word of God in an accurate way and help people to transform and not to transform to God's will and not to conform to this world. That is why I need wisdom. My wife needs wisdom. The leadership needs wisdom. We need to communicate that wisdom to all of you and then you need to walk in the same wisdom. Leadership should embody and lead in these ways and raise up more leaders that help reach more leaders. Because leaders change the world by influencing people. Our local church should be a place where all people, whether unsaved or walking in their calling or anywhere in between, feel loved. Experience the light of God and grow in wisdom. That is how our church should be. That's how every church should be. This love, light, and wisdom should be what marks our spiritual family and the way we do discipleship. It is what should be picked up in our connect groups. It is what should be in the atmosphere when we have a bride together. It is what should be marked by our Sunday services. Today I'm not just preaching a message on these subjects I'm doing some vision casting with you for Love Key Church and I'm inviting you to be a part of it to walk in love to walk in light and to walk in wisdom in the wisdom of God yes on Sundays and connect groups and when you have a one-on-one session with someone but also in your marriage in your family in the way you parent your children you should be your home should be marked by God's love, light, and wisdom. Because home is where church actually starts. Because every family is the nucleus of the church. Let's be a people who turn the tide of fatherlessness and be a real house of transformation of individuals that transforms their marriages and their families. Why? Because healthy families Don't just build a healthy local church. It builds a healthy nation and a healthy family is built upon Jesus. You can try and convince me of something else, but I'm promising you the only way that we can live as healthy families is when we do it God's way by the strength, the supernatural strength, power that he gives us to do it because to be married well and to have, be a, to parent well we need supernatural help that only god can give us remember the local church model as modeled by the bible as given to us by god is god's plan for this earth there's no other plan it is the local church we all need to be plugged in And submit under a local church ordained by God, serving a specific purpose in the broader body of Christ. When you do align yourself with this family, I can promise you, you become part of something amazing and supernatural that God is doing. I know that, that I know that. It's just, I know that God has called us to do this thing and you can be a part of it. But it will cost you. I think it should be clear from these scriptures we've read that it will cost you because you need to humble yourself, serve, commit, lay down inconveniences and discomforts and unite with people, unite with a mission and a vision. It requires sacrifice. It requires service. It requires humility and a focus on constantly being transformed by God's love his light, and his wisdom. It also means we all need to show love towards one another and to do things we read in the scriptures, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to help those in need, to really do it and all those other things we read. Let's choose today to be this kind of church. The things we should always be doing, I'm going to remind us again, is to love God and love people, to always be evangelizing, to always teach the word of God, to rightly divide the word of God, to pastor the flock, the people, to train up leaders, to pursue and establish and maintain unity, and to reach and impact our local community. And this should all happen through our Sunday services, our connect groups, our fellowship, and one-on-one discipleship. I hope that this has really connected with you. I hope that this got you excited about what local church should be and can be. And I want you to know that as I'm preaching this and teaching this today, don't think that I've got it all figured out and that I'm, I know how to practically make all of this happen. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us. And I need each and every one of you to help us by saying yes. Here I am, Lord, send me. What should I do? And we are here to equip you for the work of ministry. That is our role, is to help you discover your identity, your calling, your gifts, spiritual and natural, and how to live them out in the kingdom of God and in your vocation. That is what we're excited about. Because the more people that are going to go out there knowing who they are, loving their spouses well, loving their children well, understanding their calling in the local church and in the local community and in their workplace, the more we can move towards having a healthy community and a healthy nation. So firstly today, as this is one of our values to always evangelize, if you are listening to this, if you are connecting with our church today, and this is really spoken to you, I want to ask you, if you haven't given your life to Christ if maybe you realize that you call yourself a Christian, but you're not walking in the fullness of what God has. And maybe you've never had that moment where you really gave your life to Christ. Maybe like me at 16, you're a cultural Christian. You go to church, you go through the motions, but you don't, have, you don't walk in, the, in the, the spiritual fullness of what God has for you. Maybe you've never been water baptized and Holy Spirit baptized. If you missed the message last week, please go and listen to that and and let let the scriptures give you the revelation of how important that is. But let's start at the beginning, salvation. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you decided to follow Him? If that is you today, if you say, man, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to be part of God's kingdom. I want to be part of God's church. I want you to pray this after me Lord Jesus today. I choose to turn away from my old self and to turn to you. Lord, thank you for dying for my sins for forgiving me of my sins and that through you I can have life and life eternal. And life in abundance. Lord, I make you Lord of my life. And I choose from this day to do your will and to lay my will down. Thank you, Jesus, that from today I'm a child of God and I'm free of sin. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer and you came home, you're part of God's family, please tell us in the comments that, just say, I'm home so that we know and we can maybe chat to you later. If you realize today that you are saved, baptized, but you've never had a revelation of the importance of spiritual family, discipleship, local church, um, I also want you to pray along with me. Because I I know, especially in the circumstances we are today, a lot of people think lying in bed and watching a TV of someone preaching is going to church. But it's not. It's not church. I know even now as we're doing this, um, that could be happening. But it's all about the intention of your heart and the conviction that you walk with. Church is being part of a community of believers who God has called to do something specific in an area. And the reason why that is church is because being in relationship with people is challenging. It builds our character. It shapes our person. We, We may get hurt. We may get disappointed. We will work through stuff. All that stuff is part of God building our character. Yes, it can get messy. But that's where God is operating, is in the local church. So Maybe today you realize you need to repent from how you see church and local church and commit your life to be part of one. It doesn't have to be ours, but if it's ours, we gladly welcome you <laughs> and to, to, to commit and be part of something. So let's do that. Lord Jesus, today I repent of having any thoughts, ideas, and um convictions about what local church is. Lord, if if in any way I have misunderstood and been disobedient, I repent. Holy Spirit, help me to know and understand what spiritual family and discipleship really is and to commit to the local church that you show me. Help me, Lord, to discover my natural talents and spiritual gifts and lead me in how I can humbly submit and give to my local church through what you've put in my life. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A last prayer point as we end off this sermon today. I want to ask every family that's watching together right now, and I want to speak specifically to the the husbands and the fathers. Men of God, gather your family right now, whether it's just you and your wife, whether you have one child or eight. (laughs) We have someone in our church with eight children. Grab them, bring them closer together. Today, I want us to do a special prayer as as men of God over our families. And firstly, I just want to say to you, man of God, God loves you so much. And he has called you to be so much more than just someone who provides money every month to his family. And I I, I want you to know that that is actually not your main goal in life. And secondly, God is the provider, not you. So maybe today is a good time to take that unhealthy um, responsibility off of your shoulders and replace it with, I'm a steward of that which God provides. Maybe that's step number one. And I want you to know, That you are called to be a husband to your wife. God is in marriage. It's his design. And he wants to see your marriage thrive. But it takes humility. It takes really laying down your life before God. So that you can lay your life down for your wife. And as a father, I want you to know. And this is something God revealed to me when my first boy was born. That you are your children's first impression of who God is. Now that's not a burden that he places on us. It's a truth he is telling us so that we will more earnestly seek relationship with him so that we can become more like him. So that when your child has enough spiritual and mental capability and they meet God, They will recognize God because you've been modeling God to them their whole lives. Men of God, this is who you are. This is who you can be. This is what family should look like. Men of God, walk in love. Walk in light. Walk in wisdom. It starts at home. And then it extends to the local spiritual family that you're a part of. I want to pray for you. And then I want to lead you in a prayer over your family. Lord God, I'm reaching and stretching out my faith today. Because I wish I was in a place filled with these families. But Lord, even through this technology that you've given us right now, I pray. Holy Spirit that your presence will be felt and experienced in every home, in every family that is listening right now. And specifically the men, Holy Spirit. I want to ask that you target each man's heart, each man's mind, each man's spirit. And that right now in this moment, you just overwhelm them with your love overwhelm them with your light and overwhelm them with your wisdom. Bless them. Let them feel your presence right now. If they haven't been baptized by you, Holy Spirit, baptize them right now with the fullness that you have for them. Ignite the spiritual gifts in them. Ignite the natural gifts in them. Help them to see who they are in you, God. So that they can model God, model you to their wives and to their children. Help them to understand right now their role as men of God, husbands of God, fathers of God, fathers to their children in God's way. Bring the revelation. I shut out the voice of the enemy. I come against every lie that they may have believed that attacks their identity. We just cancel all of those things, Lord. And I pray for clarity of mind, clarity of who they are and what they are called for right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, men of God, Put your arms around your wife, your children and uh, let's pray this together. Lord God, today I choose as the man of this house, as the husband of my wife, as the father of my children, to do things your way in my home. Lord, I recognize you as our provider And I laid down every cultural preconceived idea of what I should look like as a provider. And I ask that you redefine how you see me as a steward of what you provide. God bless my wife. Bless her. Fill her with your love, light, and wisdom. Strengthen her. If she needs healing, heal her. And Lord, bless my marriage. Strengthen my marriage. As the man of this house and as the husband of this wife, I now come against every attack of the enemy launched at my marriage. I cancel every sin. I ask forgiveness for every sin that may have opened the door into my marriage. And I ask that you free us from that and bring new life and healing into our marriage. In Jesus' name. And now let's pray for your children. Lord Jesus, In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, I bless my children today. I ask that you protect them, surround them, cover them, and that you lead them, Lord. Help them to get to know you and to love you and to live for you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I now just pray a blessing and a protection over every household, over every family, over every home that is represented here today. I thank you that you cover them with your love, your mercy, your grace. Lord, if there's anything in any of those homes that is not of you, shine a light, bring freedom, and bring healing in Jesus' name. Let your love shine, let your light shine, let your wisdom shine in each of these homes in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God. They will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.